Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is Sten. I would like to announce that my team in Nashville is looking to add an experienced advisor. This advisor would have approximately four years or more of experience, but more importantly, this advisor is looking for a new challenge. This advisor wants to take the elite path and reject the average path in our industry. In this role, you will work right alongside me growing your business. Together, we will help level up legacy as an organization. If you think you're up for this challenge, you can go to stenmorgan.com backslash apply to answer the questionnaire. Or if you're listening to this and you're thinking of another advisor that could be a good fit, please make that connection. If that advisor becomes an advisor on our team, I will send you a $5,000 referral fee. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Rich. Uh, Rich, I'm excited to have you here today. Uh, We're going to lean heavily on your uh, EOS knowledge. A lot of our listeners have probably heard of it, interacted with it to some extent, uh, but I want you to set any record straight of people what they might think it is uh, and really help our listeners say, how can I start using some of these pieces as soon as possible? Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. You bet, bud. So get a little background on um, your journey. What kind of brought you to the place to where you were? I'm, I'm a full believer in EOS to the point where now I am a certified coach. People pay you big bucks to come in and and, and put this in place with, with the backstory a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess if I go back before I even had an entrepreneurial company, so I started, I was an attorney. So spent 10 years as an attorney. I uh, wanted to leave law, didn't really know what to do. So eventually went a franchise route. And I think I uh, underestimated how hard it would be to run a business. So um, that's where I kind of got kicked around the first two years. I had an upscale men's barbershop. And ended up not being able to really get that business going. So was shutting that one down, moved into my second business, which was a commercial cleaning company. And that's where someone introduced me to EOS, uh, started using it with that business and, and fully drank the Kool-Aid just because it it changed completely. I mean, from what I was doing with my first business when I thought I was kind of running a business to what I was doing with the second one, it was just night and day. So um, I actually got to the point where I was talking to an implementer, going to hire him to help kind of even take it to the next level with that business and was just intrigued with what he was doing and decided to make a shift and sold that business to become an implementer. Nice. So you did the wrong way, then you did the right way. <laughs> and you yeah. Want- okay. Yeah. Learned the hard way. Got the uh, the MBA, the expensive MBA from a business that couldn't get off the ground. Yeah. Man, what, um, as I think about EOS and how I've experienced it, I would I would say every business needs some system. Um and, and, you, and you have one, whether you like it or not, it just may not be a very good one. Yep. So give me an idea of when you interact with business owners of all sizes, because we'll have listeners that are solo advisors all the way up to listeners with teams of 10, 20 employees, if not higher. Sure. Uh, leaders. We have you know, a lot of listeners that lead large firms with 100, 200,000 advisors. What has been your experience with systems within businesses do you feel like most business owners know they need it or are we all just surviving and and kind of oblivious to the true cost of not having a system yeah um it's interesting because i think a lot of them know they need it but i don't know if they really know how much it's costing not to have it because i'll run into that a lot even like smaller businesses just saying all right I, i realize we're flying by the seat of our pants i realize we need some more structure but they still may not do anything about it or or change that um, so that they know, and I, I think the bigger businesses, same thing, but usually they, they just probably have more, more money to address it. You know, they get to that point and just say, all right, it's time to, to do something about this. Um, but yeah, I think 
I think both sides, they realize it's just a matter of whether they're going to do something about it. Yeah. Let's spend our time today diving into, um, let's, let's make the assumption that the business owners listening to us don't just have a bunch of piles of money laying around to throw at the, the problem or hire a full-time person tomorrow to do it. Yeah. I know as I look back when I was in my 20s, young entrepreneur trying to figure it out, it kind of felt like a luxury. Like there was something in my voice, in my head, there was a voice saying, no, you need this. This would be, this would make everything better. It would accelerate your growth. But I was like, I got to make money today. I have to go put the fires out. That, that I, I didn't believe that the the full system, as I read Traction, Rocket Fuel, it almost felt distant or intimidating or not for me. Yeah. So as we start kind of unpacking, you know, kind of some of the, like the five foundational tools that you're going to teach us about today, what would you say to that person right now that might have this, some head trash creeping in to kind of prep them, say, no, you can start doing something tomorrow. Sure. I, I think, I mean, I, I remember the same when I first read the book, um, cause you're kind of even, even, I mean, a smaller company, but have some people you're thinking, I don't necessarily have this leadership team and, and kind of what it's talking about, but I think whether, I mean, if you're a one person company or even if you've got a few people, the tools all still work, you know, and they're going to help you get there and kind of grow the company. So I would almost just kind of understand the, the, what you mentioned. There's five, five foundational tools and those can help someone at any stage. It just might look a little bit different as you get into using them. But I think someone who's just getting started out would still, would still benefit from just kind of trying to get those tools in place, start using them in their business. Nice. Okay. All right, guys. So as we, as Rich and I jump through these tools, we're going to put all this in the show notes. He's going to give us links to all these tools. Uh, and so don't feel like you have to kind of scramble and roll this down. And we'll put these links in the show notes as well. If there were the books, I know there's Traction. If somebody's like, what's EOS? I've heard of it, but I want to get a good baseline understanding. It's Traction, Rocket Fuel. Yeah. Those um, are primary ones. There, yeah, I mean, there's. I think it's up to six or seven now. So traction is the main one. It's kind of like the textbook gives you everything. Get a grip is like the fable version of traction. So if you don't want to read a textbook, want it to be more in a story format, that get a grip's a good one. Okay. Uh, Rocket fuel. That's all about like this visionary integrator relationship. Um, there's how to be a great boss. That's really if you're start once you're managing people. Um, there's a process book, which kind of deep dives into the process component, how you want to document those processes. There's EOS life. That's really more of like what the end goal is for someone implementing EOS as an owner of a business. Okay. Um, probably leaving one out here. Um, what, uh, yeah. What the heck is EOS? That's more of just like a primer. So, I mean, it's almost like the cliff notes version of traction. Usually that's used when you're like rolling it out in a company and you get to layers of the company where you're not sure they're going to want to read the whole thing, then give them what the heck is EOS. Okay, cool. I'll put that one up. I haven't read that one. All right. So, so number one, um, but let's hit number one. Some of these, I think is, is kind of the notes we were reviewing together. Uh, accountability chart, scorecard, rocks, KPIs, L10, probably two through five we can get deep on, but, but touch on number one and then we'll, we'll kind of work our way through. Yeah. Which is, um, you say the VTO or, or which one did you say? Yeah, my list here on our notes, yeah, VTO is what kind of number yep. one. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that's like the starting place. So VTO just stands for Vision Traction Organizer. And it's it's basically just a two-page document to say, you know, let's at least make sure we know where we're headed. So trying to, I guess, set the destination and set the, the route. So you've got your vision where you're looking to go long-term, but then kind of breaking that down into what's the plan, you know, where do I want to be three years from now? 
if I'm going to do that, what do I need to get done this year? So kind of creating a one-year plan and then setting um, a quarterly plan. So we call that the rock section, but um, yeah, getting clear on that. And I think that's one of the ones that's a, a useful tool for anyone. And I, you'd be shocked. I mean, even large organizations I walk into, one of the questions you always ask is, you know, how aligned are your people around your plan? And you still get a lot of you know, plan. Uh, you know, they don't, they don't have one. So we're you know, working hard and hope it works out. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, at least, yeah, set the destination and then put the plan together. You think's going to get you there. That's the purpose of that first tool with the VTO. Perfect. I love that. Yeah. If you're listening, you're in our community, your coach will kind of walk through some of this stuff with you. Uh, but these templates are, are, are super helpful to, I think simplicity is a gift. And so if you can get this on two pages, that's a, that's a win. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, the accountability chart. I loved the way that this org charts make sense. So it's been around forever, but explain like the benefit of the accountability chart and, and why that, in my opinion, is more effective. Yeah. I think it's just trying to strip away um, probably all of the crap that's happened up to now. Like a lot of organizations, I mean, if you've got five, six people, you start to get like weird looking boxes where it's like, this is my finance admin assistant, marketing person, you know, and, and you're kind of just burying different issues in there by clouding it up like that. So the whole idea of the accountability chart is saying, all right, let's just start from the assumption, you know, any any organization, for-profit, not-for-profit, you need you need three, at least three major functions to work. So you need this marketing and sales function to get customers. You need an operations function to deliver a product or a service, and you need a finance function. So saying, all right, let's, let's assume we've got those three functions. Um, then, you know, we make the additional assumption any great company is going to have a fourth function called an integrator, which kind of sits above, above those other three. Think of that like your COO, president. Um, and then you just customize it. So, I mean, you may have like a visionary above the, the integrator um, and you may, you know, sometimes maybe marketing sales split into separate boxes. Maybe there's two operations boxes, but, but it's helpful even for like that one person company, because once they accept, all right, I've got these functions you know, that one person's name is in all, all of them. You know, they're the integrator, they're the marketing person, they're the operations person, the finance person. So once you map it out and you you understand what you need from each of those functions and you see your name on all of them, then you could start to think about that scaling plan of like, which box do I need to, to get myself out of first? Yep. And then you're clear on what you're looking for, you know, on the person that's going to fill it. So so that's really the idea of of using that accountability chart. Yeah, I love that. I think what's interesting about the finance business is that it's, it's it's accepted, somewhat promoted and celebrated that, you know, everybody starts as like a solo salesperson wearing all these hats. But what's not encouraged or taught is the goal should be to move past that as quickly as possible. There's yeah. this, you know, keep hitting your goals, make good revenue, you know, as a financial planner, advisor, insurance advisor, it's really your efforts are just creating income as you go. And there's not this common push to build a business that differentiates, you know, people in different roles. And so if yeah. you're listening and you are one of most advisors that are solo, maybe with an admin or sharing an admin, this is a great exercise because you can actually start looking forward to say, I can't hire people to fill all these tomorrow, but I'm at least going to admit to myself that these are different functions of a healthy business that most likely one person should not be doing all of them. Yeah, no, I love that. And then, I mean, I encourage people when they're, 
yeah, when they do that, then put it, you know, decide, is that in the one-year plan? Is that next quarter? Because a lot of times when you talk to people with that smaller business, they're like, someday, you know, someday I'd like to get that person. But once once you identify it, then it, maybe it's in the three-year picture, maybe it's the one-year plan, but at least start to try and map that out, you know, when that's going to happen. Yeah, I felt over time, and I learned this the, the hard way, just, you know, hiring the wrong person, trying to put them in one seat. A- asking a team member to play multiple roles is, is a is a big miss as a leader, in my opinion. Every time I've had somebody where I'm like, hey, here's three jobs, and then they don't exceed in any of them, that my growth over the last few years has realized, okay, what's the best thing for them? Maybe they have a primary role and a somewhat of a secondary role, but it has to stop there. And I either need to decide as a leader that the other thing is not important, or it's so important that I do need to find somebody to fill that spot. Yeah. The head trash, though, and I talked to a lot of advisors about this, and this was 24-year-old advisor said, was like, I don't have the money to pay them. And the, and the real question is like, can you afford not to hire this person? Because where yeah. would, how long will it take you to get to where you want to go? And if you hire them well, which is a lot of teaching we help advisors with is what's their job description? How do you bring them on board? If you do that well, this person should 5X their pay, not, not just pay for yeah. themselves, but it should be like a multiplier. Yeah. And what you're teaching them to get clear on what you need, that's huge. There's nothing that makes me more frustrated when someone's saying, yeah, we're going to hire someone. And then, we'll, you know, yeah, we still haven't really... Put that box in the accountability charter got clear on it. It's like, how are you hiring someone if you're not crystal clear on what you're looking for? So yeah, I love love what you guys are saying there. Yep. So I love that takeaway, and that we'll we'll have that template in the show notes. Is that go through, kind of do this exercise soon. I think it's towards the beginning of the year, which is great. Who is doing what function? What functions are absolutely necessary? This could one just help you paint the picture of what you need to do in the future. Or if you already have a team, most likely every time I've gone through this exercise, you're going to stop doing certain things and you're going to move some things around. So worst case, you have more clarity and more efficiency. So that's yeah. a great takeaway. Yeah. Uh, scorecard tracking. We we harp on this all the time. Business owners not using data, not keeping track of stuff. So what's what's the EOS say about it? Yeah, I mean, same thing. And the key, I mean, a couple of things. We're always saying the fewer numbers, the better. You know, and, and trying to find the leading indicators, more of those activity-based numbers to make sure, you know, you're doing what you need to do to hit your numbers. So trying to push people away from just looking at revenue, profits, all the stuff that's kind of already cemented. It happened last month or last week. Um, the other thing that, I mean, and I don't know what you guys find, you, you know that the business pretty well and you've been around it for a while, but usually we'll tell people it may take a couple months to really get a scorecard that works for you. Um, and you got to keep digging. It's going to help. It really, what it is, is helping you understand your own business. You know, if you've got a number on there, say you're trying to get a certain number of prospect meetings and you miss that number every week, you know, maybe you need to ask like, do I even know enough people? Maybe I need another measurable to track before I get to a prospect meeting. Maybe it's just how many people am I meeting? Um, How many people am I talking to? But, you know, you really start to just try and flush out what do you need to do to hit the numbers you're trying to hit. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, we, we, we've had a scorecard at Legacy that's changed so much over time as we're iterating it. And our members get that scorecard. And we, if you're being coached by one of our coaches, we have to look at it once a month. If you won't send in the scorecard, like we can't coach you. Like the data is so important. Yeah. But what I've learned is that there were times where I was tracking, like it was, it was certain data points that were more, um, side effects of other things. Like they weren't the most important things to track. Yeah. And where we try to distill our scorecard down to where it's like, if these 10 things, these 12 things are the truest measures of, of health and good decisions, 
even though there's probably, you know, external rings of things you could track, those only change if these internal things change. And so like we track, are we adding A and B clients? Because if that number is moving in the right direction, that means other efforts are are working. And so, yeah, yeah, I love that advice. I'm like, how do you, good metrics are important, good data, but you can also take it too far to where it's probably distracting. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I mean, I walked in on one, one team, they had 44 numbers on their scorecard. And I mean, at that point, you're just kind of, you're lost in the trees. You're not really focused on what do you really need to be focusing on? And it kind of ties to one of the other things that we do a lot. Um, you find when it comes to issue solving, most people actually struggle to like identify the root cause of any issues and they take too much time discussing them. So I always try and tie that back to the scorecard. I'm like, if you have too many numbers on there, you know, now you're probably going to get lost in too much trying to solve issues around things that don't matter. So yeah, like hone in on those key numbers and just focus on them. And if you're hitting those, then like you said, everything else should should fall into place. Is um monthly is EOS is frequency. I know some people look at stuff quarterly. Annually is probably, you know, I'm checking a box, but it really doesn't help me. Yeah. So we we say you should look at it a week, like set weekly goals, um, which some numbers don't, you know, some numbers are hard. They don't necessarily lend themselves to a weekly. Um, but usually, I mean, so say a number that you you should see two in a month. So now like your scorecard may have a, a target of a half a week. So those ones, as long as you know that, I mean, you may see some ebbs and flows where you're like, all right, I missed it last week. Maybe I'm not going to spend too much tra- time trying to solve the issue. As long as next week I see, you know, one so that you realize your trend. But we're trying to get as much, um, you know, trying to get weekly weekly goals so that you're looking at it every week and adjusting as quick as possible if it's off. Yeah, we tried to look at most things as like there's an average route to take and then there's an elite route to take. I think average is November, December, you have a day meeting, you talk about stuff, you reflect on the year, you kind of guess on some goals and then you put it away and then you just go back to doing what you did before. Yeah. Uh, I think before, if people are like, hey, weekly sounds a lot, like once a month is doable. And yeah. if your team or you put a little bit of time on the calendar, and, and this is what we do is I want it by the, I think it's the first Wednesday of the month to look at the prior month scorecard. Yeah, you know, shouldn't take us two weeks of data. It's like we have a week to get it all together and put it in a mode where me and my practice manager can sit down and say, okay, what's the data? Because it should inform our decisions. And if you're looking once a month, like there's a chance you're going to pivot halfway through the year. Whereas the the average approach of let's do this once a year, hope it works out, and look at it again one year, you're just leaving all that up to chance at that point. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I just view it as it's a it's your diagnostic. I mean, you so you've got a plan. Plans are never going to go perfect, so you need some way to alert you when it's off, and that's really where the scorecard fits in. So yeah, I mean, if it's monthly, good. I mean, if they're biweekly, but at least you, like you said, you got to be looking at it to catch it because if you make a one-year plan, you don't look till the end of the year. Chances are you're going to be way off by the end of the year. It helps me with um, as a leader seeing through busyness because, like my team, they're all love their job, love our clients. They come in, work hard. We have a great time. From the surface, I could look and be like, hey, we're all busy. But as I implemented the scorecard a couple of years ago, what it helped me do is initiate more direct conversations of like, hey, guys, all this work is not leading to results. Yeah. Um, So I'm not going to use my feelings to give people feedback, which is kind of what I used to do. And mine, a little more intense feelings. I I left team members feeling like judged. You know, it's never good enough. But as soon as I had data to say, hey, we're all working hard. I love that. But for some reason, this stuff's not improving. Like, what's our solve? 
with my personality, I need data there to soften the conversation. Because if it's me coming in hot, just being like, let's just make it happen. Uh, so the scorecard one helps me make better decisions, but it also helps support feelings I have when it comes to communicating that to the team. Yeah, no, that's great. And it makes it easier to manage people because now you're, you've set clear expectations. This is, these are the activities we need to hit so you can have a conversation if it's off. I mean, it's, it's much harder to manage and it probably comes across the wrong way if they're, they're thinking they're working hard and doing a good job and you're just misaligned on, on what that looks like. Yeah, what they need to do. Uh, let's talk about rocks and KPIs. This is language that as soon as I read traction, it, it helped me just put titles to things that I kind of knew made sense and were necessary. Um, but to me, and some people call these different things, but if, if yeah. these aren't things in your mind that you're, you're putting down and consistently communicating, you're, you're wandering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the main idea with rocks is just to getting clear on what the 90 day priorities are. I mean, usually I would look at it as projects. Um, you, you do run into a lot, like where there's two different ways to look at it. And particularly some of the planners I, I work with where, I mean, you could make a rock more of a result oriented thing, you know, bring on five of this or four of these that really to me is more of like a KPI or measurable, you know, it's like, we're trying to hit that number or it could be, you know, the, how do I get there? So I, I generally prefer those. Um, usually I look at it more as like, if say I need to bring on, you know, eight new clients and I'm not hitting that number, then digging into why I'm not, and maybe I need to build some skills. Maybe I need to build a process. So then usually I would design the rock around that, you know, maybe spend this quarter documenting that process, you know, making sure I'm following it, all those things to make sure you're hitting the numbers. But um, that's usually how I look at it. Like, how are we, how are we making the business better every 90 days? Yeah. I think goals to me used to be like, I'm going to throw this out there and hope I hit it. And then as I got challenged by different, you know, leaders and coaches to say, oh, what's the, what's the activity? Like, what is the thing you can say I completed it this day that is going to get me to that thing? Yeah. And I know I had to, I had to grow in that as a leader with my team to where as opposed to saying, hey, let's add 30 clients this year. They're ideal. It's like, okay, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run two seminars a month. And then even further, we have to get 20 people to come to those. And hey, by the way, to get to those, we're going to make this many calls. Like it really kind of says like, you're, you're, it's a much clearer path than like, I'm here and I see that thing. Let's just run and hope we end up there. Yeah. So that's something that fortunately kind of using who, not how principle, Jamie on my team meets weekly with everybody to say, what are you working on? Uh, and she doesn't really just let them tell her as a leader. She has to say, Hey, that sounds good, but actually we need you to work on this. Uh, and so, yeah, without, and that, that to me has to be weekly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, make sure you're on track and yeah, you can lose a week and realize I've felt this so many times we didn't do anything. Like we served clients, we kept, we managed what we had, but as far as like, did we meaningfully move anything forward? And, and I, that feeling just grinds on me to where it's like, are we being effective? Cause little weekly wins, you look back to a bunch, like, how do we even accomplish that? Cause that felt almost unattainable, but we just took it a week at a time. Yeah. Chip away. And what you described is, is really the main reason to try and push people from that number goal. Because if you said, I'm going to get 30 and you're just like, I missed it. You're like, well, did you actually do anything to improve the business in the interim? You know, I'd much rather, like you said, the projects. Now, if you're like, all right, we run this seminar, we we do these things. Now you've built up your capabilities, your skills, all that stuff. So yeah, that's the main main reason to to push towards that kind of like a project based 
goal or rock versus just a number? I think of um, golf. I don't play a lot, but I play enough to um, enjoy it, get frustrated by it. But financial advisors, I feel like at times are similar to my golf game to where it's like, it's not working. It's not working. I have a few bad months and then I happen to get hit something. And that just fuels me up and says, oh, I'm just going to keep doing more of that stuff. But then you're just hoping that the stars align, you know, the one golf shot that keeps you coming back. Yeah. And I like, I talked to advisors like, well, just because you ran into this guy at this event, like, is that really what you want to build your base, your business on is a uh, chance or do we really right. have a plan in place? And so I feel like a lot of advisors, and this is the industry average that kind of somewhat tolerates this is like pure activity activity for activity's sake the best measurable is just more stuff and then you're bound to run into something and that's why you know most advisors take the average long growth path you know late in their career they're like i don't have a team i don't know what i'm gonna do with my business and then we're trying to paint the picture of like you could do that but you're you're, you're gonna wish you had done something different yeah yeah actually you're talking about you can at least count on or replicate versus the random lead that fell out of the sky. I mean, when you need it, you can't really count on that. That's right. Yep. All right. Last one. Let's dive into this before we wrap up. Uh, L10 meetings. I think most business owners interact with their team. You know, I, I don't meet many advisors that are like, no, you shouldn't meet once a week. But I think that those meetings for the sake of meetings that are unproductive, I feel like that's what L10 is is trying to fix in a lot of businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most meetings are pretty awful. You know, people just reporting out, I did this or that. No one's really sure why they're there. They all kind of leave and, you know, they read the meeting. So yeah, it's trying to get people to go through the format where you're using it as a diagnostic. So like the pure format is say, I'd segue in. I mean, that part's pretty simple. Just everyone sharing some good news from the last week, uh, but then going through a scorecard review and just saying, all right, here's each of those numbers. You know, to, looking at whoever owns it, if you got a couple of people on your team and just saying, did we hit it? Yes or no. And those should really be the only two answers. We don't want to get caught in any discussion if it's missed. Um, if it's missed, what we're saying is just drop it to your issues list. So when you get to the issues point, you know, you can prioritize your issues. And then same with the, the rock review. So then it's basically going through every rock and saying, you know, on track or off track. And it has a psychological effect, particularly when you, like you said, I think earlier, checking in on that weekly. Because just if you go like a month or two months, you may forget you even said you're going to do something. But if every week you look at it and you say, all right, this is the rock I took and am I on track or off track? And you got to assess that for a second. It'll make you remember like, oh, I better go do some things this week um, to get it on track. So so that's the point of that. And if it's off track, then we just say drop it to that issues list. Um, then we would go through any headlines. If there's big you know, customer employee headlines, check in like, how did you be doing the to-dos from last week? Just making sure they were done. But then the bulk of the meeting, trying to get an hour, if it's an hour and a half meeting, we're solving those issues. So, you know, we smoke them all out at the beginning. They're basically showing us where we're off from the plan and then jumping in and, and solving issues. And when we do that, we're trying to do it on an approach where you start by clearly identifying the issue before you discuss anything. That's one of the disciplines I think people struggle with the most. So, you know, you're doing it well. If you could kind of try and state your issue in one or two sentences, you yeah. probably are better. Um, but closer to what it is and then trying to come up with a solution. Nice. I think for all of our listeners, I want to challenge you that, that you need a system, uh, but you also need a system that works. I think if you just have a system for the sake of a system, um, it could be doing more harm than good because it makes you feel like you've addressed it, but you really have not. And so EOS, I think, is 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 gaining popularity even still 
as as a great framework. And so as you listen, just read the books, download the resources from Rich. We'll put Rich's information in, reach out to Rich with questions because there is a way for you to start implementing this and getting comfortable with it and then work your way up to where you have an implementer hired in to meet with you. Is it quarterly? Uh, yeah, we do quarterly with each of our clients. Quarterly coming in, keeping you on track, like, you know, working your way from, hey, this, I feel like a solo business owner to like, hey, this is a real business where I have people in the right seats. If you do the right things, you will get there. Uh, but I think what I love kind of hearing from you is their EOS can benefit you no matter where you are in that tomorrow. Yeah. If you want to take it seriously. Yeah. And even a solopreneur, I mean, I, I do it with my own business. I follow that meeting format because it's still going to force you to look at it and see where you're on track, where you're off track, what issues do I need to think about? So yeah, that's where any one of those tools, someone could start using, even if they're on their own at this point. That's great. Rich, we got to wrap, but I appreciate you, brother. Yeah.